0: Wow, last night was uh, a bit of an interesting night in sports. Welcome into the program powered on a Tuesday, almost said Wednesday, not quite yet. It's a Tuesday here on the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Yeah, wild. And I'll tell you this, um, I think if you are not a New York sports fan, you would probably admit that of a collective fan base that drives you nuts, New York fans might be right up there for you. But there was nobody on social media, uh, there was nobody watching that game that in that moment said, man, feel bad for Aaron Rodgers, feel bad for the New York Jets, but more importantly, uh, feel bad for the fan base of the New York Jets. Like That that was my first thought last night because you can respect – atmospheres and you can respect when you see something and you're like that's pretty darn cool like you you don't even have to be a fan of the Jets to say wow I would have loved to be there last night what it would have been a lot of fun the pre-game festivities the hype it just felt like the Jets were Jets fans were enjoying each and every moment and to have that just kind of like a rug pulled out out from under your feet in a very violent way. Um, that's the best description that I have for how that worked last night. And I felt that I watched a decent amount of it because I was in a an intense fantasy football battle last night in two of my leagues. And uh, I knew immediately at that point. I that was my thought was, wow, you know, Garrett Wilson's got to get the football. Zach Wilson's got to give him the football, and. Um, did just enough to get me over the hump and win a fantasy football matchup so that's why I was watching more so than anything else but also I was genuinely intrigued by Aaron Rodgers in New York and seeing how that fan base reacted and 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 that was the tough part you you saw the high and then you saw the low and when the hit happened it kind of looked awkward It, it, it From a visual standpoint, if you've watched, and you've watched as much football as I have, uh, week after week after week, it is not abnormal to see a heel kind of pinned down underneath a defender like that, but you saw it kind of twist a little bit, and then he stood up, he sits down right away. That, to me, was pretty darn telling. But here's my frustration, okay? I got some frustrations to air out here. We're going to talk about the Colts. We're also going to tell you a little bit about Ball State football preparing for Indiana State and Gus Martin from the Star Press. I haven't talked to Gus in a while. He's been on the program, but it's felt like it's been two or three weeks since I've talked to Gus, and I'm looking forward to having that conversation coming up just after 440 on the program today. Here's my frustration. You know – the. The natural thing for the media to do is say, let's list every quarterback that could possibly be available that the Jets might reach out to. So uh, the names you saw were Tom Brady. Um, You saw Nick Foles. You saw a bunch of deals. And by the way, I don't think the Tom Brady thing's ridiculous. Some of you may say, oh, come on. I mean, you're just trying to get clicks now. No, actually, why wouldn't you ask? Why wouldn't you say, dude that played last year, hey, we got a ready-made team. Come jump in, be our missing piece, and, and do things similar to what Aaron Rodgers was going to come in and do for us. Come in and let's, uh, let's win a Super Bowl together. Why not? And, and you could be the darling of New York. Um, it, it probably is not going to happen, but you got to ask. He played last year. Here's what drives me nuts. Can we stop with the Andrew Luck stuff? Can can we just – I seriously believe it's going to be the year 2050 and some reporter, some team's going to lose their quarterback in the first couple weeks of the season and, like, 30 years from now, people say, well, what about Andrew Luck? He hasn't played in five years. He doesn't want to play. Have you seen him lately? He's in the background. He doesn't look like a quarterback anymore. It is lazy reporting because there is no substance to it none stop it this is a national deal every time a quarterback goes down the list includes Andrew Luck why he ain't gonna play it's not happening so it's lazy it's click generating if there was ever a click generating deal it's every time a quarterback gets injured and Andrew Luck's name gets mentioned you know, for about a year, maybe a year and a half, okay, there could probably be a change of heart. If he hasn't played in five years and he's in his, you know, late 20s, early 30s, wouldn't you think if he had an epiphany to say, you know what, I'd really like to play that quarterback position again, it would have happened since 2018. It's lazy. It's irresponsible, and it's a media-driven narrative. It's not happening under any circumstances. So, you know, there were three or four different reporters out there, not prominent ones, but ones that, you know, break a little news here or there that said, I don't know, I'd kind of kick the tires on Andrew Luck. (laughs) It's just, it's exhausting. It's not happening. So why? Because... You're going to get a bunch of likes, you're going to get a bunch of retweets, and you're going to get a bunch of comments. There is no substance to it. I don't know what what, what, what needs to be said in order to put this one to bed, literally. Under no circumstances is Angela coming back. And... I still believe the Colts have his rights, but uh, I feel like we go through one of these things every single year where there's a quarterback injury and somebody says, well, what about Andrew?" It's just irresponsible and ridiculous. I will say this. There is a name out there that does affect the Indianapolis Colts, and that is Gardner Minshew. Okay? Now, just a moment ago, Robert Sala, the New York Jets – coach said this is Zach Wilson's team but it's been widely reported out there that veteran quarterbacks have been contacted by the New York Jets if I'm looking at this from a Jets perspective I'm looking at a a dude that can back up Zach Wilson I don't think you're going to get a dude that is going to be a Tom Brady or somebody that's going to jump right in and and be similar to what they were expecting from Aaron Rodgers so in that case Get him a reliable backup. So you have a dude that can come in and jump in at a moment's notice or, you know, God forbid you have another injury to the um, to, to, to the quarterback position, and Gardner Minshew would fit all of those deals. And you know what? It, it, it's hard because if you're the Colts, as you fully understood on Sunday – Well, Gardner Minshew played the last three snaps for the offense because Anthony Richardson got nicked up a little bit. So in the back of your mind, if you're the Colts, you got to think that way and say, do we want to give up Gardner Minshew? But the price is going to be higher for Minshew now because, well, the Jets are in in some ways desperate. So if it's a third-round pick for Gardner Minshew, does that add more value to who you are right now? than what Gardner Minshew's going to contribute to you as a backup quarterback? I don't know. Um, But I do think that Gardner Minshew's name could be a part of some conversation with the New York Jets because it's not a starting quarterback deal. Zach Wilson's going to be the starter for the Jets. But you mentioned to me another backup quarterback out there that is as good as Gardner Minshew or could be as good as Gardner Minshew out there that the Jets would be interested in. Sam Darnold ain't, is not going to happen. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, maybe that's another Colts connection. Um, outside of those backups, you're looking at the Colt McCoy's and the Nick Foles and the um, you know uh, uh, Philip Rivers. Maybe a last ditch effort to get him in his 40s. Gardner Minshew would be a great option for the New York Jets, and I don't know if the Colts would entertain that or not, because you just saw, again, last couple plays of the game, Gardner Minshew had to jump in because Anthony Richardson got nicked up a little bit, but that might be a name that you throw on out there that could get you a pretty nice return because the Jets do need a backup quarterback if Zach Wilson's going to take over this football team. But the ridiculousness of the Andrew Luck stuff just never ceases to amaze me. And it's like from these verified accounts and and guys that have broken news before. You know, if you're a nameless just kind of troll on social media, you can have a little fun. That's kind of what you do, right? But when it's legitimate people for the last five years – said, oh, I don't know. Why don't you ring up Andrew? It's not happening. It's not happening. He's out of football. He's not coming back. It's done. So don't be irresponsible and do it. Just move on. But you got to create a list, and it's got to include Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Andrew Luck. Um, you know, Colin Kaepernick's name was out there as well. I mean, you got to to include everybody. I mean, it's from, from Andrew Luck to a guy at 45 years old in Drew Brees. I, I mean, it's just it's what you do when the quarterback position comes up. Absolutely. Seven six five two eight seven thirteen forty. I'll get off my soapbox. How about that? I'll get off it. But um, it's I, I, honestly, I never even thought about Andrew Luck's name coming up on this Tuesday, September the twelfth of twenty twenty-three. But I guess I shouldn't be so surprised anymore that at some point when a quarterback goes down, Andrew Luck's name is going to be mentioned. On the Indianapolis Colts front, let's move forward. Okay. They lost week one. We know that by now. Um, And I I, got to tell you, I I don't know what it is when coaches roll into the Indianapolis Colts. And and let me be clear. I didn't know Gus Bradley's mentality before he got here as the defensive coordinator. I really didn't know Shane Steichen's mentality before he got here. Um, And by the way, Shane Steichen gives it straight and he's honest, but he's pretty direct. And, Jim Bob Cooter is the offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, okay? I I can't tell you I know his demeanor as well. But today, he talked about two things that I just, I kind of chuckled when I read it, okay? And I don't know what happens when these coaches come into the Indianapolis Colts. Do they just automatically become positive and PR and rah-rah guys? Because here's what happened today. So there were two areas of the football game that were very much focused on. One was a player, one was a position group. The position group was the running back position. okay? The running back position was really, really bad. I mean, bad, bad. Not not just kind of bad, like, really, really bad. Well, guess what? Jim Bob Cooter tried to qualify that the Colts actually did some nice things in the running game. Oh, yeah? Where was that? Point out the plays. Point them out. I mean, you know, other than the touchdown run on the goal line by your quarterback for 12 yards, outside of that your longest rush from scrimmage was eight eight yards. Your starting running back had 13 carries for 14 yards and fumbled the ball twice. Evan Hole had a nice little sport That got called back due to a penalty. And then he exited the game due, due to injury. What exactly went well in the running game? What, what, what exactly happened? And maybe this is pumping it up because... It, it seemed like the narrative is Anthony Richardson, after his first run from scrimmage on Sunday, kind of nicked up his knee a little bit, and that maybe made the play calling be just a tad bit more conservative. So maybe you're saying, oh man, we saw some good things. We couldn't take advantage of them now, but just wait till we do. But to go out there and try to say, yeah, we did some nice things in the running game, I mean the most pro of pro Colts fans have got to look at this and think the same way and say, Jim, what are you saying? Uh, I mean, (laughs) the offensive coordinator, look, I don't know why it just seems lately year after year after year with these coordinators, when they talk, they can't criticize. They can't say, yeah, you know, we're trying to be better there. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of positive from that running game at all. Maybe the play of 12 yards but to kind of group it together and say yeah we did some really nice things in the running game I I, I just don't see it I I just don't see it at all it was bad it, it was it was worse than bad and two of your turnovers came as a result of that running game and you're going into this upcoming week against the Texans in the exact same spot you were. Now, maybe Zach Moss is healthy enough to play, but as a group, if you take out Anthony Richardson's 40 yards, which, by the way, he had four yards per carry average on 10 carries and had the rushing touchdown for you, your group was a combined 16 carries for 25 yards. That's about point. I don't know 1.7 yards per carry maybe a little bit less than that that's bad 1.5 yards per carry that that's like really bad like four yards per carry is kind of average so Anthony Richardson from an from a numbers average standpoint actually had a pretty average day running the football except for that 12-yard carry and and I'm mistaken Other than the 12-yard rush for Richardson for the touchdown, longest rush from scrimmage was seven yards. Seven. You didn't have one play over 15 yards on the ground all day long in 26 carries. You know, you can at least fall out of bed and have one of those. At least one you got a 12-yard carry that was on the goal line, perfectly blocked by your 6'4", 250-pound running back of a quarterback. Yeah, it was a nice play. But to say that good things happen in the running game, I don't get it. And then the other one was this. And I said, we we, we just got to start being honest about Alec Pierce. Okay? Alec Pierce had three targets, one catch for five yards. In the football game on Sunday, uh, the offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, said Alec Pierce had a really good football game. He did some really good things out there. Man, Alec Pierce had a really good football game. We're excited about Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce is your number two receiver. Your number two receiver in that football game had one catch for five yards. Okay? Look, I I get that we look into statistics and we look at numbers, and there's more to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when's the last time a player that had a reception for five yards and three targets in the game, you qualified and said, but you have no idea, they had a really good football game. Wow, great football game. Alec Pierce, I didn't even notice him half the time. Did you? He's your first-round pick from the year before, and he was invisible in the football game on Sunday. Your offensive coordinator is trying to tell you that Alec Pierce had a good football game. Um, I'm trying to find the quote. Let me see if I can... uh, I thought he played a good game. Ball didn't come his way. It happens sometimes at the receiver position. Pierce had 66 snaps, three targets, one catch. He was on the field for 66 plays. And he was invisible. I don't know how you qualify that and say, yeah, you know what? Alec Pierce had a really good football game. He's your number two receiver. We've talked about how this team is very non existent from a playmaker standpoint. You know, here are the playmakers you noticed, other than Michael Pittman Jr., who had a very nice game eight catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Kylan Granson had four grabs for 39 yards. Josh Downs had three get- grabs in the first quarter of play and then wasn't heard from again. And then a whole bunch of one catch by Ogletree, one catch by Jake Funk, one catch by Evan Hall, one catch by Alec Pierce, and two targets to Mo Alley Cox that did not convert. This is going to continue to be a problem. And again, like we've told you before, being accurate and honest about where they're at with it. If your second wide receiver on your football team has one catch for five yards, you got a major problem. I mean, first things first, got to figure out the running game, how to get something going there, and maybe that allows you to be a little bit more multiple when it comes to passing downs, and maybe that's just exactly what it ended up being, that uh, you were too predictable in the passing game. Because if you look at it, the biggest play from scrimmage the Colts had was the 39-yard uh, screen pass for a touchdown to Michael Pittman Jr. Very well used, very well executed. Give them all the credit in the world. But I don't remember the last time when I had my number two wide receiver have one catch for five yards, and wow, did he play a great game. Got to be honest. But I I get it. Coaches aren't going to do that. I mean, NFL coaches in a lot of ways are not going to do that. Um, But I just don't know how you come across those two areas in your scheme and say, we felt good about our running game, and wow, did Alec Pierce have a great football game. That doesn't sit well with fans. Shouldn't, at least. Huh. I mean, because as I see it for the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, their number two wide receiver, Zay Jones, he had five catches for 55 yards. Okay, So their second wide receiver had five catches for 55 yards. Colts did a nice job of taking Christian Kirk away. In most instances, would be their second wide receiver. So even then, if you say Zane Jones is their third wide receiver, he at least picked up the slack from the attention that Christian Kirk receives and had five catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. Targeted seven times. That's what a number two wide receiver does. On winning football teams, that's what a number 2 does, picks up the slack. Your number 2 wide receiver had three catches for 30 yards. If you're saying Josh Downs was that, three catches for 30 yards. Um, one of those catches accounted for 22 of those 30 yards. So then um, if you take away the 22-yarder, he had two catches for eight yards. I, I, that's the difference, again. And it's what we've been talking about with this football team. Um, all offseason long for about a year now where are the playmakers other than Anthony Richardson creating something and the occasional big big game from Michael Pittman Jr. it's not there it's just not there So again, it's time to see a little something from Alec Pierce because he's a first-round draft pick for a reason, and you invested in that position. After um, you know we clamored Chris Ballard for years, when are you going to get a playmaker? You drafted one in the first round, and what does Alec Pierce have to show for it so far? He's got to take a jump, or else you got to ask ask some questions. That hey, we didn't make the right selection with Alec Pierce. So anyway that's what the uh, offensive staff of the Colts said today (laughs) Uh, yeah Um, not exactly a glowing recommendation when you're trying to qualify how your wide receiver with a catch for five yards in your running game that you know averaged about 1.8 yards per carry um, did in game number one so thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook live yeah I guess we're on one today I didn't really um, come into the show today and want to you know just light the world on fire I guess but I guess we're there um, look there, there's there's just some uh, some things that I had to get off my chest and so uh, we'll talk some Colts if you'd like to 287 uh, we'll dive into Ball State football talk with uh, Gus Martin from the Star Press a little bit later on toughest part of their schedule is complete and uh, that's, that's some good news. Um, wh- where do they go from here with Indiana State coming into town on Saturday? Uh, we can take your thoughts at Mark WMUN on Twitter or phone call 765-287-1340. We're back with you next on a Tuesday show here on The Power Talk of Monsey WMUN. We are presented by Walls Furniture and Mattress. Nebo Road in Monsey Online, WallsFurniture.com. The price, you get a king bed. And let's just say you get the price of a queen for a king bed right now. That's what's going on at Walls Furniture and Mattress. Yes, the mattress sale going on for a limited amount of time. Check them out on Nebo Road in Muncie. Accessories come with it when you purchase a king bed. Check it all out and let Walls Furniture and Mattress make you most comfortable at home. Nebo Road in Muncie and online at Walls Furniture. Dot com. Your call is welcome at 765-287-1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter. So um, I, I just had this kind of come to my mind. Is is Sunday going to be interesting for the Colts because it, 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 it they're going against the Texans and it's kind of the battle for the bottom of the division? Crazy enough, one of these two teams, the Texans or the Colts, are going to be one in one after two weeks just the way the schedule kind of works out. Of course, the Texans lost on opening day as well. Um, so you're not, I mean, one team is going to be 0-2. One team's going to be 1-1. Does that make it, I guess, more interesting? Because it kind of shows the bottom of the division. Look, I don't think Tennessee looked very good either. Like, Jacksonville had its moments. You know, I really thought, midway through the game, that the Colts were the better overall football team on that particular day in that particular half. Defensively they were causing a lot of issues. Offensively they were doing enough to, to, to move the football and um, making some plays and, you know, took the lead there in the third quarter heading into the fourth. And, well, folks, then the fourth quarter happened, and we, 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 we know the rest is history there. But at the end of the day, I, I really thought the Colts played well enough. Tennessee, um, you know, um, for how bad they were, still had a chance to win against the Saints. Texans really never had a chance. And uh, Jacksonville, again, played the Colts, of course, and kind of took control there in the uh, fourth quarter, as good teams should be able to do. So I don't know what it means. And, again, the hardest thing to judge – is just how good a team or how bad a team is after Week One. We so badly just want to know, right? You just want to know. You just want to figure out, hey, what does all of this mean? Um, and I think we already know where the Colts are headed, or at least where it's 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 likely headed. Um, but at the end of the day, that's that's kind of what stands out um, overall. Um, we're going to have Gus Martin from the Star Press a little bit more than 10 minutes from now. Is We're going to get his thoughts on the first two weeks. And in a way, when you structure a football schedule like you do in college... It is grouped usually in most cases, usually with the first four games being all non-conference, and then you get into conference schedules. It's very similar to like uh, most of uh, of the schedules in collegiate sports. You you have your non-conference slate, and then you have your conference slate, and it feels like two different chapters of your season. And in the Mid-American Conferences case, of course, we know, um, maybe not in football because there are a lot of teams in football that get to that six-win threshold to become bowl eligible and play in the postseason. But your season is judged on the conference in a lot of ways. But I feel like for Ball State, it is going to be a tale of three different chapters from an outside perspective, not inside, this is the outside perspective, Kentucky and Georgia were these massive hills to climb. Come out healthy. Look at how you compete. I mean, these are all the things that I heard from fans that, you know, we're looking at it from, I guess, a realistic point of view. That's what they were saying. And, you know, you had your moments and we chronicled that yesterday and now you move on. Well, now it kind of feels like chapter two of your season in a lot of ways. These are games that you do have expectations for. These are games that um, if you're a Ball State football fan, I think you'd be disappointed if you don't get both Indiana State and Georgia Southern. And then the last Saturday of September is when conference play begins, and it's the full conference sprint as you head through the season. So if Kentucky and Georgia were Chapter 1, you're now entering Chapter 2. If you looked good in certain cases against Kentucky and Georgia, well, that would lead you to believe with two home games against Indiana State and Georgia Southern, respectively, you should have success. I would say this. Ball State fans would be disappointed if you don't go into September 30th, not two and two. I mean, that's just that's just it. Whereas you, you fully expected, I mean, overall kind of expected that Kentucky and Georgia might end up in the loss category. They did. Now you're going to chapter two and saying, well, if you don't get these two, it puts a lot of emphasis on the conference schedule. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying if they lose one of these two or lose both that the season is over. Now, if you lose both, that's a whole different story. Yeah, that, that, that that's a different story. But if you go 2-2 and and you head into September 30th, you got to win four games to become bowl-eligible. And then the whole deal, obviously, you're not trying to just get to the four-win threshold to get bowl-eligible. You have bigger tasks at hand to try to win the conference, no doubt about it. But, man, winning five conference games compared to winning four to become bowl-eligible, which is always a big part of what you want to do, yeah. That's, that's a part of it. So um, it goes without saying just how difficult – or how important these next two games are for bowl state um this weekend two o'clock kick against indiana state we get it family weekend there's a lot going on there. first home game um y- y- you know it i mean there's there's a lot riding on this one and then carrying that momentum if things go well against indiana state to georgia southern and man what it would be to have a two-win streak heading into your first conference game as you head to kalamazoo at western michigan And then you're at Eastern Michigan, and then you're home for a couple. And again, uh, you just kind of have those back-to-backs that way. But it it almost kind of dawned on me today when I was thinking about the end of Chapter 1, if you will, the Kentucky and Georgia chapter of your schedule, that really these next two conference games is Chapter 2, with the entire conference schedule being Chapter 3 of your season. Normally, it's a two-chapter deal, non-conference conference conference play, not this year, because Kentucky and Georgia and the hurdles they were, and just the uniqueness of having both of those back-to-back to begin your season, it's a whole kind of season in itself, it feels like, or a whole chapter in itself in a lot of ways. So, Indiana State, big matchup coming up this weekend, and, and of course, a winnable one, and then Georgia Southern coming up in a week as well. We'll get more perspective on that with Gus Martin from the Star Press in a little bit. We'll take another break, come back, short segment, when we return on the Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. You deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. Glad you're with us on the program as always. Gus Martin from the Star Press coming up in a little bit. We'll uh, cover the high school angle, but of course the Ball State football angle as well again. All games can be heard right here on the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. uh, Indiana State, Ball State, pregame 1 o'clock right here on Saturday. Our game of the week this week, we have uh, Newcastle visiting Yorktown. Earlier start than normal Yorktown game. 7 o'clock is the kick, which means the pregame will be at 6.30 right here on the Talk of Monty, the new WMUN. It'll be Andrew Willett and Rob Fisher. Yes, uh, the, that tandem with you coming up on Friday should be an interesting one as Yorktown looks to get over five hundred after their loss to Delta this past weekend so we've uh, touched on the Colts we'll continue to do that throughout the week as uh, they start 0-1 we touched on the uh, Ball State football team as well Lot coming up there. And again, every Thursday joined by Ball State football head coach Mike New. That will happen uh, this coming Thursday at 4.15. Um, and get the feel of how you head into these next two games. It's a homestand, if you will. Not often you get the homestands, but the way the schedule works out, you got the two non-conference games against Indiana State and Georgia Southern back-to-back uh, A springboard, if you will. Heading into conference play, as we mentioned before, uh, game one of conference play happens September 30th. That's the Saturday in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, we'll see how that all plays out. All right. Uh, last segment of the show coming up, and it's a big one because Gus Martin from the Star Press is going to join us next. You're listening to The Power on the Talk of Moncie, the new WMUN.
1: I think that kind of with the offensive line play overall just really struggle in both those games. I know Marquez Cooper, you know, said afterward that he just wasn't seeing any running lanes. I mean, most of his runs went backwards rather than forwards against Georgia, and I think he's averaging under two yards per carry through the first two weeks on like twenty some odd carries. So, I'm sure he's excited, and the offensive line is excited to kind of get those two tough challenges out of the way, and maybe now hopefully have a little bit more room to run. I mean, they're going to need it um, moving forward if they're going to have any chance of competing in the MAC and getting a bowl game because. You know I don't think their quarterbacks, whether it be Hatcher or Samanza, um are either experienced enough or you know have shown enough you know potency uh to carry the offense so I think they're gonna need a bounce and I think they're gonna try to get that established this Saturday. Scott Martin
0: from the Star Press covers Ball State Sports for the uh, publication with us each and every week here on the Power Hour Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Um, we've obviously described the meteoric rise that it's been for Caden Samanza all the way to the point of starting against number 1 Georgia in Week number 2. Um, and, and, and you and I are on the same page that um, I didn't have a problem with any one of those throws that resulted in picks. Now, the second one was just a bad throw. I'm not sure if he was trying to throw it away but going off the heel of one of his blockers and it you know spirals in the air and taking for an interception, just a bad break overall. All of that being said, does the decision to start him in that game in week number two tell you that um, he, he's he's kind of the guy. I know all three played, but um, uh, the the declaration that that was to you, what would that mean Kaden Simonza getting that start last week?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree that it, it kind of said a lot between the lines, right? I mean, if you had told me a few weeks ago that they were going to be starting a true freshman against, you know, the defending back-to-back national champions on the road, I, I would not have believed it. Just because I just, in my mind, it didn't make sense why you would, you know, risk either injuring him or hurting his confidence um, just against a team like that. That you know, all intents and purposes, you're probably just not going to even compete with. But for the fact that they went with him in that spot. I think shows a lot of confidence that they have in him, Coach New has in him. And I think just some of the comments that he's given me and others throughout the past couple of weeks kind of indicate that I think he thinks Samanza is the most talented quarterback they have, the guy who gives them the best chance to win, you know, regardless of his age, and he was made the most plays and deserves that spot. Um, I think he, he was happy to mix in Hatcher against Georgia just because obviously the score was kind of lopsided and, you know, just get him some reps in case, you know, a Samanza gets hurt or, or, you know, they do want to make a switch later in the season if the true freshman kind of shows his youth. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think Samanza has won over the coaching staff and definitely the fans. That is the impression I've gotten. And, you know, and I just clearly see that kid kind of has a lot of potential and I want to kind of see him play against some more level competition here soon.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, last week, uh, Coach New made a, 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 you know the statement of saying the three quarterbacks will play again uh, coming up this week. That was in reference to the Georgia week. Um, he didn't say that yesterday, did he?
1: Uh, He was a little vague in a lot of his responses. Uh, I'll ask him again uh, tomorrow after practice, but I I think he kind of said he's just not sure who's going to start. I think Kyle will still get some sort of mixture in as the change of pace guy. Um, But I don't think he's in contention for starting at this point. I mean, he only played pretty much when all the backups were in against Georgia. Um, He might have alluded to that someone might have got a little bruised, banged up and bruised against Georgia. So uh, it was hard to kind of make out what he meant by that. But I I think in this type of game, you know, I think they're probably going to be more consistent. I I would not foresee a a halftime quarterback change, whoever may be the starter, unless it's like, truly a dire situation, which I don't foresee happening. So I think if whoever starts on Saturday, I think, will be the guy to, to play the majority of the time.
0: Okay. Uh, strictly your opinion on these next two games. Uh, do, do you put the emphasis on, hey, um, goals to be a bowl-eligible team, both of these are must-wins, or um, it, w- would that be too strong in your opinion?
1: Um, I definitely think this Saturday is a I don't know, must win is the word, but they should win. Uh, I mean, Indiana State hasn't scored an offensive touchdown yet this season, and I believe their starting quarterback is hurt. I'm not sure if he's coming back. But, I mean, in this family weekend, you know, this should be an easy, feel-good, bounce-back win to get everyone's confidence up. Georgia Southern, um, that's a whole different story. I mean, that game against them last year was was the one I covered um, in replace of Robbie. And you know, I thought that was probably one of their better games they had played last year. Especially in the first half, they kept it close um, until Georgia Southern's talent kind of took over, and they ended up losing 34 to 23. Um, but I, I think they could, they should be able to compete with Georgia Southern this year. I, I don't see why. I mean, Georgia Southern's 2 and 0 looks like putting up some a lot of points. Uh, you know, so 34-0 in their first game, 49 to 35. Uh, in their second game. But, you know, if, if Caden Samanza, you know, plays like he did against Kentucky in the second half, you know, they, they can compete with a team like that. I think at the very least, I think they should at least show promise um, in that game and they should win in the Indiana State game. Yeah, if they lose against Georgia Southern, maybe that hurts their bowl chances. But I think people just kind of want to see, you know, some life from this program right now. If they end up losing to a team like Georgia Southern, so be it.
0: Okay, so finally, to put a bow on the last two weeks, um, would you say um, heading into the rest of the schedule, including these next two and conference play, you are more, less, or about the same optimism level for where you were prior to game one?
1: Well, the, the injury to Clayton called definitely is a big one. I mean, he, he, it's hard to overstate how important he was on and off the field to this team, just, you know, with his intelligence, his talent and his just leadership and spirit. Um, and, you know, it seems like he's going to be out for an extended period of time, if not the entire season. So, so that, that's, that's tough, but I, I think I feel more encouraged just because I had a lot of question marks about the passing offense. And I just felt like I saw, you know, more than I expected to with Samanza in that second half against Kentucky Um so I think if they can kind of keep build on that a little bit, that could make for an offense that I think is more dynamic than what I had seen in the preseason. And, you know, I'm just not going to put a lot of stock into scoring three points against Georgia because, you know, like, like everyone knows, I mean, they're, they're just a special program under Kirby Smartin. I mean, <laughs> the, the fact that they even got three points, I think, is an accomplishment. So um, I think we'll we'll definitely know a little bit more after this Saturday just how well the offense can do against, like, a seemingly on paper um, inferior opponent. But I, I feel pretty, pretty confident that maybe the offense and passing offense could be better than I expected.
0: Gus Martin from the Star Press will have all the coverage of that in uh, East Central Indiana High School football as well. Uh, Get him on the Star Press or on Twitter where uh, you can follow his coverage at any time right there. Thanks, my friend. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, good talking with you, Mark. See ya.
0: That's uh, Gus Martin from the Star Press, as always. Excellent uh, stuff. And, yeah, you know, I I said it before and I'll say it again. I I I do feel very Very optimistic. Um, I would say more so after week one than I did last week uh, because there were far more mistakes against Georgia. Maybe that's to be expected. Uh, But I feel way more optimistic. I don't think that looked like a team that... Would be picked second to last in the MAC West, and I could be dead wrong. You know, we we, we could see how the Mid American Conference looks, but overall, there there was a lot of upside uh, for that football team, and uh, the way that they were able to throw the football to uh, Gus Martin's point there against two straight opponents, got to feel pretty good about that. Really, really do. So, all right, uh, we'll continue talking about that throughout the week and, of course, the Colts' developments as they come along in NFL football in general. So a big thanks to Gus Martin from the Star Press for joining us. All of you for stopping by on this Tuesday. We're back with you tomorrow in studio at 4 o'clock right here on the Talk of Monsignor new WMUN. Have yourself a great evening.